All right, we are kicking off hour two of the program. It is Sportsnet today. We're live on Sportsnet 960 The Fan or wherever you get your favorite podcasts Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. We're in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Downtown Studios, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. They have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Hour one in the books. It was a CFL Power Hour recapping Labor Day weekend across the Canadian Football League, including a big win for the Calgary Stampeders. 22 points scored in quarter four, leading them to a 35-31 victory over their provincial rivals from Edmonton. Rematch goes Saturday night up the road in Edmonton for a 5 o'clock kickoff. Also big wins for BC, Toronto, and Saskatchewan as we're getting set for week 14 that starts on Friday. Chats with Matt Rose and John Hodge in hour one if you want to catch up on anything that you might have missed in that hour kicking off hour two a little bit of hockey talk later on we'll jump into the blue jays conversation there in oakland getting set to take on the a's tonight show ali from sports that 590 the fan in toronto will join us have the jays gotten enough done against teams lower down in the standings to feel confident about a playoff spot they are 76 and 62 Heading into tonight's matchup against the A's, 7:40 first pitch, right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan with Chris Bassett on the mound. So some Blue Jays talk coming up just a little later on this hour with Show Ali. We're kicking it off. This is the first show for me uh, since the calendar has turned into September, and September is Hockey Month. We are back in just ten days. You will see Calgary Flames sweaters on the ice. It'll be rookies. It'll be part of the Young Stars Classic. In Penticton, BC, where the Flames, Canucks, Oilers, and Jets all come together for what is actually the 10th installation of the Young Stars Classic. Um, but uh, a key event for rookies in all four organizations to get some playing time, to get a head start on training camp. And before you know it, we'll be talking about training camp for the Calgary Flames. We'll be talking about preseason hockey, which officially starts September. 24th when the Calgary Flames welcome in the Vancouver Canucks. They have a split squad game against Seattle the next night. Winnipeg uh, for a visit, uh, a road game on Wednesday the 27th. And then September 29th, the Oilers are in town for a preseason edition of the Battle of Alberta. But where is the excitement level around the Calgary Flames as the calendar turns into September? Hockey's here. Hockey is right around the corner. You can start to really start to get your first chance to go to the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. It'll be our first chance to start to see what this team is. What are the 2023-2024 Calgary Flames? Soon the talk will be about actual lines, drills, how Ryan Huska runs a training camp, what it looks like with Mark Savard and Dan Lambert in the fold. It'll be enough of us guessing and wondering and it'll finally be time to talk about what we see on the ice with our own two eyes. And I'm I'm genuinely curious, and you can chime in on this, 960-960, the fan feedback line is always open to you. But if you're listening live, shoot in a text. As the calendar turns to September, where's your excitement level for the Calgary Flames this season? 
and I'm expecting a wide variety of answers because I know this summer didn't live up to expectations for everyone. And it's not done. There's still plenty of time. Things can change. But as we get closer and closer to these things and guys start coming to town and start, you know, getting ready for captain skates or whatever they're called and they get ready for training camp, it feels more and more like the Elias Lindholms, the Noah Hannafins, Michael Backlunds are, at least for the beginning of the season, going to start as members of the Calgary Flames. And for some people, that's going to be difficult to process. Now, I think there was good change. I think there was necessary change at the GM spot and at the head coach spot that I think you can be really excited about. Was there as much player turnover as many would have hoped? Probably not. But again, that that can all change. That can all still happen. So it, to me, that sort of leaves an incomplete note there. Yegor Sharangovich is coming in. I think he'll play a, a very key role on this team in, in one way or another uh, as a top six, middle six guy for this Calgary Flames team. I'm genuinely excited to see the plan that Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska constructed this summer put into action as it's, you know, it's not just development camp anymore. It's actual games. It's putting, you know, the, the changes to the system in place for the Calgary flames. But I'm, I'm curious if the fan base feels the same way. Is this a, a, a man? Is this just a, look, I'm excited because hockey's back. We don't have to talk about the chase as much. We don't have to talk about football as much. Maybe that's just your level of excitement, but the last couple of years I think have had tremendous amounts of excitement for the Calgary flames. Two years ago, we were talking about Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk and Elias Lindholm and Daryl Sutter back at the reins, guiding this team to the playoffs and excited to see what they can do. Last year, we came into it with nothing but hope. Look, Johnny's gone. Matthew's gone, but Hey, we brought in Nazem Kadri. We brought in Jonathan Huberto. We brought in Mackenzie Weger. And yes, we all know how that went. God knows we don't need to rehash it. It's been, it's, it still gets rehashed far too often. And we're entering another NHL season. But the last two years have come with a ton of hype. Did it live up to it in all expectations? No, of course not. But I'm, this year doesn't have any of that. There is no... Uh, look, I like Yegor Sharangovich. I think he's a good player. I think he's going to fit an interesting need for this team. But God, he is not the name value of anybody close to what the Flames have done the, the previous two years. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm, that's just what it is. Has that affected your excitement level? Are you excited for hockey but not excited for the Flames? Are you expecting bigger things? Do you like me? That's just, I'm kind of wading into this. I, I am very curious. I don't think last year is repeatable. The negativity, the one goal losses, the nervousness that every time overtime happened or a shootout happened, the, the tense grabbing of the stick that happened. I, I don't think that's repeatable. I think that a, a fair expectation is for a lot of the guys that had down years last year 
to come back to be the player that they've been for the majority of their NHL career. And that goes for guys like Jonathan Huberto. That goes for guys like Jacob Markstrom. We saw a team that I think had the worst case scenario happen for so many players. And still, they finished just outside of a playoff spot and had a couple bounces gone their way, probably would have found themselves in a playoff spot when it was all said and done. So do I think that changing the the culture and changing a few of the systems up to free up some of the guys offensively is going to have a positive impact on this team? And am I excited to see that positive impact on the team? Yes, I absolutely am. So I'm excited because, yes, it means I get to be at the rink more. I get to get out of this studio. We get to get back to, to interviewing players and doing all that. But that's, a, that's me. Where are you at? 960-960. Fan feedback line. If you're listening live, jump in because I do think there are things to be excited about. You can be excited about Mackenzie Weger. You can be excited about, you know, maybe Jonathan Huberto and Elias Lindholm form a, a great parent. Maybe you're undecided because of the number of flames that are undecided, right? Maybe it's totally fair for your answer to be, I don't know, talk to me when the Hannafin-Lindholm situation figures itself one way or another because it, it can feel like this. And it's one thing I'm very curious about. This team does kind of feel like we're heading into a new season and I don't really know which way the the team or the organization is going in the long term because some of the players haven't committed because some of them have committed to wanting to be elsewhere and you don't know what the returns are going to look like. So you're kind of stuck waiting to see what's going to happen. And if that's how you feel about it, then I, I totally understand that too. Some of the texts at 960-960. Month has flipped to September. There is Flames hockey on your radios. Flames competitive training camp coming down the window. There's Penticton in just 10 days. Where is your excitement level when it comes to the Calgary Flames as of this September 5th, 2023? This text just says meh. It's very real of them for that. If that hey, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. You're a meh, then okay. Meh. Meh. Uh, this one says Flames will not make the playoffs this year with this lineup. That is not an answer to my question, but fair enough. Uh, this one says uh, near negligible three years ago. If you asked me if I was more excited about the NHL or the NFL, I would have told you NHL without a doubt. Now, honestly, I'm much more excited about football starting than the Flames starting. This team has sucked the mega fan out of me. Uh, this one says, I'm excited for this season. I feel a lot of people are writing them off. I think they have a chance to surprise. This team says, I'm a 2 out of 10 on expectations this year. This one, uh, this text, I'm excited to see this team and players bounce back. I feel like we're going to see a positive swing this year. And this one says, I'm very excited. Where's Steinberg? He's coming. Flames talk coming up a little bit later on this afternoon. Vickers with Steinberg. That's correct. There you go. He's coming. It's on the the rundown. If you looked at the front of the page, uh, it's right there. Yeah, I know. This also says Sportsnet today with yeah, Vickers and well, Klein. Well, Thursday, August thirty first. 
Someone, so, someone didn't change the header. So that someone would be Cam. Spare me, Taylor, that I haven't checked the rundown for. Okay, but I'm the one who updated that. No, side and of it. I fair. I, I get it. I'm just saying. He always tells me check check the rundown. The rundown is fake news. Most of the time, the important parts are right. Ninety five percent of the time. Are they? Ninety. Those are my producers, Kim and Taylor. Hey, what's up? Good to hey be back. What's up? Good to be back. Sup. On the air. Yeah. Uh, we're talking flames expectations. 960, 960, excitement level expectations. How are you feeling? We're into September. You will probably head down to the Saddle Dome at some point this, this month to check out the Flames. We have three preseason games this week uh, this month. The Penticton tournament is coming up. But it's not the same as it has been the last few years. Are you excited? Are you pessimistic about how it's going to be? What has you excited? Does Huska and Conroy have you excited? Are there certain players you want to see? Are the young guys getting an opportunity? Something that you're excited to see. If you're listening live, 960-960, the fan feedback line is open to you. Uh, this one says, go Canucks, go. And I am going to go to block and permanent. Yes. What are you doing on this text line just saying, go Canucks, go? It just happens. Yeah. There's just things. It's like that, you're asking for a there's block. There's things that happen. I'm not going to block them. Maybe. <laughs> I'll think about it. You're walking on thin ice there. 6238. Uh, this one says, excited to see the young rookies try and prove themselves. I think they could fit in the lineup. I think that's one that plenty of Flames fans should be excited about. Do you not remember last year and the pain that was? What, uh, Pelche, what number is Pelche? You know what number Pelche is. Is Matt Cornell going to get in the lineup? Eh, we'll see. There's, there isn't any of that anymore. And whether, whether that was for effect or whether that was as real as we thought it was, that, that's gone. That, those conversations aren't going to happen this year. And the introductory press conference from both the new GM, the new head coach, talked at length about young players being important to this team and being given an opportunity to come in and win a spot on this team. And I have to imagine that there's a lot of Flames fans listening that are excited about that. Do the Flames have Connor Bedard in the system? No. But I think Sam Honzik's got to be exciting to you. I think Matt Coronado is a very exciting prospect. I think Jacob Pelche should have played 40 games last year. He could have been in way more action. I liked what I saw to him last year. I think you should be very excited that the fourth line could be a, a line that injects youth and opportunity into this team rather than being an, an 8 to 10 minute line of NHL veterans. So... Yeah, as far as looking for something to to grasp onto as you head into the season, that's got to be the one that I think most Flames fans from last year think about and we'll see a change in very, very soon. Uh, let's see here. What else on the text line at 960-960? This one says, I have low expectations, so I'm going to have more fun watching this year, I think. 
hey, if you, uh, that's an interesting way to look at it. If you're not uh, expecting them to win and they come out with a couple of victories, then hey, maybe it is positive for you. Uh, Joan Calgary texted in saying, Logo, I'm nervous about this season. Uh, too many what ifs, ands, and maybes. There's certainly a lot of those. I'll give you that, Joe. Uh, there are probably more question marks around this team than I can remember heading into a season the last couple of years. Uh, this text says uh, 960960. Very excited for the start of the year. If you guys had bad years, it is what it is. It's the past. My question for you guys is we start the season with Lindholm back with Hannafin, um, and we are a top team. Do we keep those guys and make a playoff run? Teams often go out and get rentals, giving up high picks, kind of like we could get in return for these three. That's going to be, to me, the number one storyline heading into training camp. When we get to dive into those and we really look out, yes, the youngsters are going to be there, bounce back seasons, Huska, all of those things are going to be important to talk about. But for me, there is no bigger storyline than the unrestricted free agents on this team. Because while that text brings up the three that we've talked the most about, there are others in this group. What about Chris Tanev? What about Nikita Zadorov? What if this team is 10 and 2 to start the season and then somebody ponies up enough to pry Noah Hannafin away from you if you're Craig Conroy? Are you committed to selling those guys if they're not going to re-sign in Calgary despite what your record might be because I think that's how you have to approach it. They this management group has brought up specifically from the mouth of the GM we do not want the Johnny Gaudreau situation to happen again. And while I don't think these guys are at the same level that Johnny got to, the principle of I don't want to go to, you know, the point where he can walk away for nothing in the organization still applies to all of those guys, right? The what ifs around all of those guys is going to determine everything. And it starts night one. It really does. If this team picks up steam from the start and other teams suddenly start making those calls for Lindholm or for Backlund or Tanev or whoever it might be, what's the pressure for Craig Conroy like to, to make that deal once the team starts winning? Plus, you, you work in injuries and all the other things that can happen along the way. It is going to be a massive storyline to watch out for is how those UFAs are handled. Uh, what else we got here? Plenty of texts coming in at 960-960. Uh, Taylor is excited about the Canucks and replied to go Canucks guy. Uh, Taylor, your text line privileges have been taken away. I'm trying to connect with our community. Logan. I don't think that's that's not what we intended for that. Uh, it is the intention <laughs> I have. Mike, uh, Flames fan in Vancouver, texting and saying, nah, meh, hoping quite a few youngsters make the team at least for the very first game of the season. Uh, I like this one. I'm here forever, so why not get excited? Regardless of the result, it's still hockey. Uh, this text says, I'm super excited for this flame season. Barely missed the playoffs with almost everything not going their way. Most one-point losses, most posts and crossbars. Worst season of their careers for Huberto and Markstrom. I would bet all those factors couldn't align again if they tried. This one says, I'm interested to see how the players respond to a totally different coaching regime. That's going to be a big change for a ton of people. 
Uh, this one says, hey, guys, looking forward to this year. Got a side gig at the Dome behind the scenes this season. Look forward to seeing your guys' closet studio. Yeah, we'll be back uh, in the hot stove lounge before you know it. After training camp, after practices, back in our little windowless dungeon uh, where Pat Steinberg lives uh, for the majority of the season. Uh, this one says, I think the Flames will surprise us this year, whether in a good way or a bad way is yet to be determined. I'm excited to find out how. In the meantime, uh, go something go. I'm not going to say the team's name up north in Edmonton. Uh, this this is a very negative one. This one says, looking forward to Wolf losing another year in the AHL. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, this one says, excited for intellectual post-game coach comments. I'll have to get used to that. I'm curious how that's going to go because at the Dome, we've been quite used to I'm used to Vickers and Julian and myself and everybody going into the uh, media lounge and getting set for the coach, and it really is like 90 seconds to two and a half minutes, and then we get to go do our player interviews, and I don't think it's going to be like that this year. I think with the few times that we've had Husk or we had Kirk Muller a couple times doing post-game comments, uh, they tend to last a lot longer than when Daryl did them. So, yeah, I was going to say um, – that's going to be something you're going to get used to uh, as well because I think there's going to be a little bit more uh, of an in-depth conversation uh, from whichever coach we hear from after games. Uh, this one says, uh, let me see here. I have a hard time seeing how this team is a top team in the long run or short. Their top guys are paid like other top guys for a long time, but they don't stack up with elite teams. They need to win through depth, and I'm just not sure that it'll happen. They lost so many close games, in my opinion, because they don't have enough high-end skill. Uh, this one says, I'm excited other teams are going to be coming here to play. Fair enough. Uh, this one says, I feel like Huberto will have a worse season than last year, but Uyghur will do very well. Goodness, I, if it gets worse than that, I I do not want to see it. Um, <laughs> ben and Cochran texting in, I'm extremely cynical and sarcastic, Really looking forward to watching this year to see how hilarious it'll be. Uh, this text at 960960. Uh, excited. I was a Sutter guy, but change was needed. It was like a completely new organization with the changes they made. If the goaltending performs up to expectation, there's enough talent to compete for the postseason. Uh, let's see. We've got a couple more here I want to read before we get out of here. Uh, and again, this is the mix that we're getting, right? Uh, this one says season ticket holder since day one. Zero excitement for this year. Simply renewed out of habit. This one says, boys, let's hope Sutter was wrong by not playing the young guys and this new regime isn't wrong. It's boys and girls. Taylor's here as well. See, Taylor, I'm looking out for you. You know what? I just get lumped in with the boys. Boys? You're part of the boys club here? I mean, the amount of times that I've sent out emails and the responses. Thanks, man. (laughs) Thanks, dude. Appreciate your work. Thanks, guy. Uh, (laughs) Uh, this one says, who's the backup Tendy? That's going to be a battle to watch out for. Uh, sure sounds like Dustin Wolf will be given every opportunity. I remember going back to you know, the last few editions of Flames Talk before uh, Pat took off for the summer. You know, That was a, a big part of the discussion is, are the Flames going to operate with three goaltenders if they feel like Dustin Wolf doesn't have enough to prove at... The American Hockey League level. I think it's it's an option for this team. At some point, the American Hockey League just becomes 
I don't want to say irrelevant. Uh, it's not irrelevant, but it's it's beyond it's 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 past Dustin Wolf, right? You win Goalie of the Year so many times, and you win an MVP. At, at some point, you just have to be ready for a, for a different challenge. Uh, and a couple more here before we get out of here. Text line has been super busy. Expectations, excitement level ahead of the Calgary Flames season as we head into September. Uh, let's see here quickly here. We'll go through these. This one says, I'm looking forward to the young guys playing. Let's see what we actually have. Uh, this text says uncertainty does not breed excitement. Too many questions not dealt with this off season. <laughs> Joshua, our pal texting, it's like, who cares? Football's back, baby. Uh, Paul from Calgary texting in saying, I'm quite nervous about this upcoming season. If the flames trade away Lindholm, Hannafin, even one more Satanev, will they even have a shot left this year? Uh, this text says, I really hope that Huska's first press conference, he makes a comment about a player and what number he is, then looks at his game sheet. Uh, and Travis and Somerset, as we've gotten all of these uh, throughout it, plenty of other, clearly more than just Flames fans listening. Uh, Travis says, the Flames game is the most entertaining, te- entertaining thing to watch after the Habs game. Go Habs, go. I appreciate oh. everyone texting in. Love the Habs. Yeah. Go Habs. Go teams. Ugh. Livestock on your radio coming up this afternoon with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. Make sure to tune in. Uh, that is actually happening. But uh, thank you, everyone, for texting in. Uh, 960-960. The fan feedback line always open to you here on Sportsnet today as we uh, check in on the excitement level, the pulse of hockey fans in Calgary as the calendar has switched into September and we have actual Flames hockey to talk about this month. We are anticipating the Young Stars Classic in Penticton training camp, and before you know it, preseason hockey at the Scotia Bank Saddle. Though we will take a break, we'll come back on the other side. We're going to switch away from hockey, go to baseball. Jays right in the thick of things with that playoff spot in the American League. They need to continue to pick up wins against the lower teams. One of them, including the Oakland A's, that's who they're lined up with tonight. Have they done a good enough job with that? How have they managed the injuries of late? We'll check in with our pal. Show Ali from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto next for more Blue Jays talk. That as Sportsnet Today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. 1-1. Slider bounce out to the shortstop. McCoy over to Biggio. On to first in time to finish the ball game. The Blue Jays needed a 10th. They rally for three. Hold on for a 6-5 win. Big swings in the 10th inning from Santiago Espinal, Kevin Biggio, and Spencer Horowitz. Help the Blue Jays grab their series opener in Oakland on this Labor Day. Yes, the Toronto Blue Jays got it done in extra innings against the A's. It's never without its tense moments, but they got the much-needed win. It will make up a little bit more ground in the race for an AL playoff spot. They'll continue that series against the Athletics with a 740 first pitch out here in Calgary. You can listen Right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan is Chris Bassett gets the start for the Toronto Blue Jays. Lots to talk about when it comes to the Jays, whether it's the call-ups from Buffalo, the Alec Manoa situation, or just how this playoff race is going right now for the Jays. And uh, anytime we chat Jays baseball here on Sportsnet today, love to bring in our next guest from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. He joins us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. It's our pal, Show Ali. Show, thanks as always, man. How are you? 
good. Logan, how's it going? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Uh, as always, Jay's with a, a big win last night to start this series off uh, against Oakland. I, I mentioned it coming in there. Would have been nice if it was a little bit calmer in that uh, last half of the 10th, but uh, the big thing is, is a win is a win at this point in the season, right? Absolutely, yeah. Don't get me wrong. It would, it would be nice for things to be like a little easier sometimes, right? Like a little less uh, stress free or, or more stress free, perhaps a little less uh, white knuckle finishes. But uh, hey, I mean, yeah, like you say, a win is a win is a win. And uh, I, I do think they should be beating teams like Oakland far easier. But at the same time, we got the perhaps the best start from Luis Medina in his maybe his in the entire year. Like the Blue Jays actually already faced Luis Medina earlier in the season. He walked seven guys. So it was kind of wild to think that early in that one yesterday, it was a, it was a bit of a pitching duel between Jose Barrios, who was, I, I think, phenomenal again. Yes, he gave up the two home runs, but uh, a lot of weak contact induced from Barrios. He probably could have gone another inning when he was taken out at, uh, you know, 84, 85 pitches. So, yeah, it was a little, it was a little stressful at the end, but at, at the very least, they got it done, and we can look ahead to what you hope is a late-night series win. Have the Jays done enough in your mind? I know there was some angst about not finishing off a sweep against a team like Colorado, but so far against some of these teams that we've talked about down in the standings that the Jays have to play in this month of September, have they done enough in your mind show where, where Jays fans can be content at least where they are in the playoff race? I, you know what? I think they can. It's kind of like two things for me, right? Because on one hand, they should have swept the Rockies. They should have swept the Rockies. They should have swept the Nationals. And the reasons they didn't was because uh, not because necessarily they were beaten by the other team, but they almost beat themselves in a lot of these situations, especially that loss against the Rockies. Boy, they were, they were up five, nothing. They blow the lead. You know, it was a bit of a a hairy situation with the bullpen, which you and I have discussed before, but it, it has been good all season long. And the bullpen taking a little bit of a beating over the last couple of games for, from a number of different guys, not even the same guy, although Jimmy Garcia has been overused a little bit, maybe relative to the other guys in the bullpen, but they should have won that series against the Rockies. Having said that, I, I do think, on the other hand, kind of to answer the second part of your question, that I do think that Blue Jays fans should be, at, at the very least, given how the team has looked all season long and given that they have not lived up to expectations offensively, even if they have lived up to expectations pitching and defense-wise, knowing all the flaws that exist with this team, that they are only a half game back, even with the Seattle Mariners playing just an insane brand of baseball. I know they've lost two in a row, but the Mariners have supplanted the Rangers atop the AL West, which I'm not sure a lot of people would have guessed at this point, because I think there was a point earlier this season where the Rangers had spent like a hundred plus days atop the AL West. And now they are what only a half game above the blue Jays for the final wildcard spot. Pretty crazy, honestly. So Mm -hmm. I, I would think all things considered, yes, the answer to that question, but, uh, you definitely want more. The good news is because Houston and Texas are playing each other for this three-game series, if the Blue Jays sweep the A's, no matter what happens between the Rangers and Astros, they will be in a playoff spot come the end of the day, I guess, on Wednesday. So they just take care of their own business. They'll come back to Toronto, and they'll be in a playoff spot, which is always good. As far as last night, last one on, on the sort of opener to this series, but I'm curious from your perspective, show if, if did you have any issue with the usage of of David Schneider just as a pinch hitter opening up a series against Oakland like that? Yeah, it was a little baffling, wasn't it? Right, because I mean, when you bring in anyone, not even David Schneider, but you bring in anyone to pinch hit, 
late in the ball game after essentially sitting on the bench the entire game, it's hard. Like any pinch hitter will tell you that it is one of the most difficult things in the world. I've had these conversations with a lot of the players over the past couple of years, and all of them to a person have all said, that it is it, like it's you're you're coming in cold in terms of muscles. You're you're not into the rhythm you want to necessarily be. So to be asked to pinch it late in the game, it's just a difficult proposition. I, I was a little bit surprised that David Schneider was just not in the lineup to start I, after the ball game. And Kevin Biggio, who I guess was in the game in place of David Schneider because Merrifield was at second yesterday, at least to start, but. Kevin Biggio did play very well, but I, I do think it does speak to a little bit of John Schneider and, and the team's thought process about how much a rookie has to do to supplant some veterans because Biggio is very well liked. And you know what? We, we had seen David Schneider at third base in the last couple of games, like I, I think once or twice to start the series in Colorado and certainly prior to that as well. But mm-hmm. he, he's, he's okay at third base, but I think Kevin Biggio is a much more sure hand at third. But uh, again, I, you know, it, we're, we're so late in the season that you kind of have to have just your best performing bats in the lineup as much as humanly possible. So, yeah, I was kind of surprised and maybe a little bit uh, peeved that David Schneider wasn't in there. But thankfully, Kevin Bishow did come through for, the, for the, some, some game-winning hits and saves on the uh, base paths and on defense. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you can overlook the, the defensive impact that's been there either. Speaking of guys that have come in and had a pretty positive impact, I mean – I don't know that anyone would have expected the Jays to go down the the number of call-ups that they have at this point uh, and have them inserted in the lineup show. But, I mean, you have to be impressed one way or the other from the group of, you know, what, Horwitz now, McCoy, Clement. Uh, We've talked about David Schneider. The group, in my mind, has come up and exceeded expectations. Has it been the same for you? Yeah, the Buffalo Bunch has been very, very, very good. I love good. that yeah, name. Like, yeah, it's it's a great, it's very catchy, right? Yeah. I think I hope it, I hope it does uh, sticks. I really do. But yeah, we talked about David Schneider. Not not enough can be said about what he's been doing. But Ernie Clement and Spencer Horwitz, boy, they've been so good. Like I I, I think they they've played so well that it does genuinely beg the question going forward. So Matt Chapman probably is not going to return on Thursday when he is first eligible. Boba Shed sounds like he is closer to being ready. So let's let's just say for the sake of this conversation, Bo does return on Thursday, which means someone has to get sent down. It will likely be Mason McCoy because he is used largely as a pinch runner. Mm-hmm. And we saw him do that this these past couple of games. But beyond and he's played well certainly, but beyond McCoy there is a now a little bit of a log jam when it comes to these utility guys, maybe specifically between Ernie Clement and perhaps even Santiago Espinal. Now, Espinal, I think, acquitted himself pretty well yesterday. He, he comes up to pinch hit, and he knocks in the uh, what ends up being one of the crucial runs in the 6-5 win over the A's yesterday in extra innings, no less. So we talked about the pinch runner or pinch hitters and how hard it is to do that. Well, good for Espinal. He's been playing a little bit better as of late after having some unfortunate incidents both on offense and in the field earlier this season. But it's it's now become more of a conversation, Logan, as to who should get sent down when both Bo and Chapman are back. Like if Bo comes back and McCoy goes down, one other guy has to go down when Chapman eventually returns as well. Ideally, it's not something they have to worry about too, too much between now and Chapman returning because it doesn't sound like he's that close. But I, I honestly do wonder if Clement continues to hit. I kind of wonder if maybe he's making the case to stay up as the super utility guy 
over Espinal. Of course, it could also be Spencer Horowitz because of the maybe if you want to call it positional inflexibility because he largely plays first in DH. But I mean, Brandon Belt had back spasms and then was away from the team with a stomach virus. So if that persists, then you can't really send. Spencer Horwitz down. So it's going to be really interesting. These guys are making a case to stay up in the majors as long as possible. And they're directly contributed to effectively two straight wins now. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, I mean, that's been the biggest part is it hasn't just really been, you know, silence from them. It hasn't just come in and been like, okay, well you, you've done the, the minimum of the defensively stuff. Every single one of them I can think of for the most part has come in and, and played a pivotal role in the last couple of weeks. And it's so key when you talk about guys like Bichette being down you know, Danny Jansen's dealing with it still. We're, we're talking about some, some major injuries for this Jays team. And in that time for them to have actually gained ground in this playoff ratio is, is pretty remarkable. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we always say that and, and these kinds of discussions kind of contain some cliches sometimes. But cliches are cliches because there's usually a kernel of truth which is that your bats, your, your team will only go as far as your top bats will take you, right? So with no Bo, no Danny Jansen, Matt Chapman at least offensively had not performed particularly well for the large majority of this season, especially as of late, but certainly defensively his impact cannot be uh, undersold. But, I mean, you look at the guys who are still in the lineup on a regular basis, you do need more from Springer, for example. You do need more from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You do need more from Alejandro Kirk. But it is nice that they are getting more opportunities and, and more uh, more additions on offense, let's say, from the guys we were talking about from Buffalo, like Horwitz, Clement, and Schneider. On, Vla- on Vladdy, though, I mean, you know, as, as long as Bo is out, you hope he returns relatively soon. And Danny Jansen, I, I have a sneaking suspicion he might not return in the regular season because in the past, when he's fractured fingers or when other players have, it's usually a six to eight week recovery process. And I mean, there are less than six to eight weeks left in the regular season. So if, if that's the case, then, you know, you do need more from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. The nice thing is he did get on base four times yesterday. He had a pretty good game the day before that, even if there was a, an unfortunate base running error on his part, which seems to have been addressed and it's done now, I've been told. So, you know what, if, if that's the case, then maybe this team is starting to look a little bit more balanced because you have the guys who have existed on the team for a while. You add a bit of a youth injection. And you know what the funny thing is, Logan? David Schneider, for as well as he's played, he and Vladdy are the exact same age, which is kind of weird to think about. It is, yeah. Those uh, The coughs and the timelines for everybody always so different in baseball maybe than than other sports. You seem to, to miss out on that sometime. Uh, one guy I wanted to ask you about, and I'm curious how you see his, his value going down the stretch here is is Chad Green. We finally got a chance to see him at the major league level. Uh, I know he's been a guy that, that has been talked about a long time in Toronto because, look, this is a guy that comes with a pretty significant resume to him, but you just never know after after Tommy John surgery, and he's with a new organization. But in, in your mind, given how much we've talked about the bullpen usage, you know, guys getting up there and in innings pitched this season, how important could it be to have a guy like Chad Green in your pen if he is reliable down the stretch here for the Jays? Oh, definitely. It'll be very important because, I mean, you know, you look at Eric Swanson, he is eligible to return, I think, next Monday, the 11th, uh, which is the first game of the series against the Rangers. But in his absence, they've kind of had to shuffle the bullpen a little bit. And we, we learned after the game yesterday that a whole bunch of those guys in the bullpen were down. I think uh, Mesa was down, Hicks was down, uh, Chad Green was down. And Richards was down. So because of that, they were kind of forced to go to Jimmy Garcia. They were forced to go to Jay Jackson, who held the score in place. Yenis Cabrera doing the same thing. 
And, you know, if you have a weapon, I mean, certainly just more weapons you have in the bullpen for literally any team, the better you'll do. But the better playoff teams, the more you're getting into these wild card pushes. I mean, Chad Green, he got hammered in his first appearance off of TJ. And then the very next one, in a far higher leverage spot, he comes in and he plays very well, albeit against the bottom of the order. But it was a nice bounce back for Chad Green. So, you know what, as long as... Eric Swanson is still on the IL, and even when he comes back, having a veteran like Chad Green is, is so important because we know, like you and I have actually seen him pitch, albeit for the Yankees, in super high-leverage situations prior to this year. So he has that experience, and that kind of experience just can't be understated. Like You never really know what you're going to get when, at least certainly before this season started, from guys like Jay Jackson or Yenis Cabrera or when you and I were having conversations about Nate Pearson earlier in the year, but mm-hmm. you know that Chad Green has that experience. And if he works his way back continually and he, he makes it, he acquits himself better in uh, more higher leverage situations, it can only be a good thing for this bullpen because they're going to need all the help they can get. Uh, and away from the team right now, uh, there was a bit of confusion about this, but I know Shai Davidi, our, our colleague at Sportsnet.ca, sort of cleared this up, but Alec Manoa sort of working his way back uh, up at AAA Buffalo, despite being placed on the temporarily uh, inactive list. It's sort of a, a transaction that they use uh, for players to be away for a couple of days. So I think there was a little bit of worry about what was happening with Alec Manoa at AAA Buffalo, just given you know the, more of the spotlight that's there compared to uh, if he was in, the, uh, in Florida right now with the, the group there. Uh, but any worry from, from your perspective, or is it just sort of, gone to the side now that we've sort of got clarification on his situation. I mean, yeah, it is a bizarre situation, isn't it? Like, it's it's something that you just don't see happen very often. Like, we had seen it happen to some other guys when they were away from the club and working on things. Like, I know Jasper Zulueta, who's a, a prospect down with the Bisons, and he kind of rocketed up through the minor league system as well over the last, let's say, two seasons, including this one. And uh, he was also at one point put on the inactive list. And other guys have been as well. It's just I'm not sure anyone expected – a guy who finished in the you know top three in Cy Young voting last year to be put on the inactive list in the minors less than a year later. So uh, it is, I am a little concerned. I, I will admit because you just don't really know what you're going to get from Alec Manoa going forward. I, ho- I hope he, regla- he, he regains his form. I, I certainly kind of wonder if there's not, not just the physical aspect of regaining his pitch delivery and his mechanics and so on. Cause of course those things are so important to literally any pitcher, but but also, I kind of wonder if it's like a mental health thing as well. I mean, a lot of in this day and age, we hear a lot of it, a lot more about mental health from players. But you know, I remember after the last real awful start from Manoa had, both before he was sent down and after he was called back up, he just kind of sounded like a guy who's how do I put it? Like he was so wrapped up in the success that he was used to experiencing, and for the really for the first time ever yeah. in his entire career, has he experienced some real adversity. So I, it's possible that's all part of it. I really do hope we see the Alec Manoa of the last two years next year, but it doesn't really feel like anything's going to be done with it You know, between now and the end of the regular season, at least. Joe, always appreciate the time, man. Great stuff, as always. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the rest of this series. We'll catch up with you sometime soon, pal. Yeah, Logan, anytime, man. I'll talk to you later. Take care, pal. Thanks for joining us. Joe Ali down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, guest hotline this afternoon. Jays continue their series against the Oakland Athletics. Uh, Show joining us from our sister station, Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. He's part of the Jays uh, pre- and post-games on 590. You've heard his voice plenty of times here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Taking a quick look 
at that game tonight for the Toronto Blue Jays. It is a 740 first pitch. You can catch the game right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan or watch it on the Sportsnet Television Network. Chris Bassett, the former Oakland A, gets the start tonight for the Toronto Blue Jays. He is 13-7 and on the year, holding a 3.81 ERA in just over 165 innings pitched this uh, season, sitting at 151 strikeouts. He's been a tremendous pickup for the Toronto Blue Jays since uh, signing him in the offseason away from the New York Mets. Looking at the standings heading into tonight's matchup, Jays have trimmed that wild card uh, deficit down to just a half a game. They're uh, just a half game back by uh, the Houston, or excuse me, yes, the Texas Rangers, uh, and one game back of Houston right now, Texas and Toronto, both with 76 wins on the season. The Rangers and the uh, Texas, uh, Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros uh, currently locked in a series right now, which will help the Jays out uh, as guaranteeing one of those two teams uh, a loss over the next couple of days. So the Jays just a half game back and find themselves back in that AL wildcard race all of a sudden if they can pick up a couple wins against the uh, the Oakland A's. And then obviously that big series coming up against Texas uh, is going to be the one that matters a lot. They've still got to go to Kansas. Still got to welcome in Kansas City, I should say, over the weekend. And then they'll welcome in Texas Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week, which could go a long way to uh, deciding their playoff fate. That's going to wrap us up here on Sportsnet today. Thanks again to Show Ali for joining us uh, for a little bit of baseball talk. We had some Flames talk to kick off Hour 2. Hour 1, all CFL. Our pal Matty Rose from the Big Show joined us to chat all things Stampeders after their win against the Elks. We looked around the league with John Hodge from 3 Down Nation uh, as well and getting you set for Week 14 in the CFL, which kicks off on Saturday, excuse me, Friday with a triple header on a Saturday as the NFL is also coming back uh, this week as well. So thank you again to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor. Thank you for listening live or on the podcast. Appreciate it as always right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.